Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Can we give our dads a hand? We appreciate you guys. You are the rock stars, even if you can't play music or sing. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Will you all stand with me, please? Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. As you're turning there, our kids are dismissed to their classes. You can meet your teachers in the back, and they will walk with you. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Ephesians 6, verse 1, when you got it, say so. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And verse 4 will be our focus this morning. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training an admonition of the Lord. God, we thank you so much for this day in which you have given us the opportunity to worship you as our great and gracious Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for earthly fathers who have done their best and are doing their best to represent you, Lord. And God, it is a bit unfair because you are a perfect father and we are not. But we thank you because your grace is sufficient even in our weaknesses. Help us as dads, Lord God, to depend on you, not on our own wisdom. Help us to look to you, not to this world, for direction. Help us to let your word guide us as dads. This morning, as we enter into your word, may our hearts be open, men and women alike, that we would hear from you, because we know that you brought us here to speak to us, Lord God. So give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so, if you can't tell, this is going to be a Father's Day focused message, hallelujah. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about dads, and a, and a few weeks ago, uh, ago, we celebrated Mother's Day, and I preached a message that was specific to mothers, but I know this much, God's word is able to speak, even though I may be focused on one particular topic or one particular person in the family, don't go to sleep on me, Amen. Hallelujah. Stick with me and let's walk together. Um, Do we have any more outlines? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, so just raise your hand. We have like four left. So if you need an outline, you can go ahead and raise your hand and they will bring you one. want you to be able to follow along and we want you to be able to take some notes. And so in your outline here, if we'll jump right into this, if you look at the introduction, we are living in a moment in which our children are under attack more openly than ever before. From Disney employees caught on video making clear their agenda to push LGBTQ ideology and all of their movies moving forward, to drag queen story hour coming to a library in a city near you, to the blanket attack on the unborn and abortion, to secular humanism which promotes a godless world that is built on a premise of evolution, our kids are in trouble. And what I did was I went backwards. In history, I went from where we are today presently with the things that people are saying back to what I believe is the foundation for why we are where we are. I remember sitting in a class in Bible college in my second year, and we were discussing the topic of education. 
And as we were discussing the topic of education, I remember how scared I was for, and I don't even believe that my wife was pregnant yet with our daughter, and I, I, I believe, I, I remember how scared I was for my child because they talked about this thing called secular humanism. They talked about this godless ideology that is being fed down the throats of our children to get them to, to, to not think about God the way that they should. And, and this is a foundation for a society that we see that is coming unhinged and, and, and falling apart and moving down the road of immorality because of what? Because of bad foundations. And, and what I believe is this, is that our kids are in trouble, but notice all caps, unless. Unless parents take a proactive role in the lives of their children and dads step up into their God-given roles as leaders within our families. See, when I sat in that class and I heard them talking about education, immediately I was like, okay, so we're going to have to figure this out because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can trust my child in a, in a secular environment. And so my wife and I, when it, when it was time for us to cross that bridge, then we decided, you know what, this is what we think is going to be best for us. And let me tell you something. We have, we have educators in here, so I'm not down on educators. I'm not in any way, shape, or form beating up on them. I pray for educators. I hope you pray for our educators. I hope you pray for our teachers. I hope you pray for those, especially those who are Christian, especially those who are trying to be a light that shines in the midst of darkness. They have no choice. They have to follow certain agendas. However, we know that God's grace is sufficient. Amen. The point is this, is that regardless of, of, of where the education comes from, you need to know this. This isn't just in schools. This has been going on. I remember years ago, I mean, we're, we're going to celebrate 20 years in August, so it has to be like 23 years ago. I remember being in our church and a man by the name of Josue Idion coming to our church. He was an, a, an evangelist missionary who traveled all over, over the world. This guy was so traveled. This is, he couldn't even sleep because the time clock in his body was so off. He didn't even know. His body didn't know where he was and when it was time to sleep. That's how bad he was. But when he came and preached, you know what he preached about? Y'all are going to love this. He preached on the demonic influence of Disney. Come on now. 23 years ago, he was dropping it like it's hot, y'all. People were throwing away their Disney stuff. They were like, Disney's a devil. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they were serious about it because he brought forth bona fide information. And I don't have time to get in all, in all of that stuff. My point is 23 years ago. This man was talking about things that are there, things that are, that, 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 that are being subliminally poured in to the videos that our kids just sit there and play over and over and over and over again because what? They love the movie. And it's cute, right? We think it's cute. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Fatherhood. Anybody seen the movie Fatherhood? Kevin Hart? True story about a guy whose wife died. It's old, so this is not like some spoiler alert. Hello. It's on Netflix, for, for goodness sake, which would tell you if it's on Netflix, it's got, you know, anyway, the point is if you haven't seen it, if you want to cry, go ahead and see it. You know, I haven't wanted to see this movie, so, you know, my family was like, well, it's Father's Day weekend. You can watch whatever you want to watch. I was like, amen. I'm like, I know the movie I'm watching. <laughs> Sat down and watched Fatherhood. I was crying. I'm like, hmm, hmm. 
You cry, no, someone's cutting onions in this house. What is wrong? Y'all, I don't know, what are y'all cooking over there? Looking at this dad who his wife dies before she comes home and he's left to raise their daughter. And in one moment in this movie, I mean, you're going to laugh, but you're going to cry a lot. Kevin Hart's funny. It's impossible, I think, for him not to make you laugh. But there's one point in the movie where he is meeting a woman, and as he's having a conversation with her, she, is, she works for this animation company that does this particular cartoon. And the cartoon is something about get lucky or something like that. And it's about a leprechaun who gets lucky. Hello. But he didn't know that. You know why? Because he was too busy doing other things. And then she's like, you let your daughter watch this show? And he's like, yeah, she loves the leprechaun. You know, he's, oh, really? Well, you know, it's about a leprechaun that gets lucky. (laughs) And then he sat down and he watched. And he was like, oh, my goodness. Shut it off. The point is that we got to be active. We, and, and dads, 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 you are so important in this process. You lead the way. You're called to lead the way. You and I are called as dads, as men of our homes, you are called to lead the way. Don't, don't pawn it off on your wife. Don't pawn it off on somebody else to figure it out. You and I, we need to be actively engaged, leading in this area of parenting. I want you to think about this this morning. A father is a life giver and a life builder. A father is a life giver and a life builder. And again, I don't want you to check out on me. Come on now. I'm not discrediting women in any way, shape, or form. I love the ladies. Amen. You know that. I, I, I let you know that on Mother's Day, but it's Father's Day today. And I want to I emphasize the importance of dads because dads get beat up a lot. They get minimized a lot. They get pushed to the side a lot. And some dads, rightfully so, they deserve that. But other dads, man, you're doing an amazing job. You're fighting the fight. You're just like Kevin Hart in the movie. He's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, welcome to fatherhood. (laughs) I don't know how to deal with this situation. Welcome to fatherhood. You have all this pressure. See, this is what a lot of people don't realize is that what keeps dads up at night sometimes is not knowing what to do, not knowing how to guide their children through the next step, the next situation, not knowing how to answer questions, not knowing how to address things. I mean, this is just a reality for dads. Whether you are a Christian or not, this is just a fact. But dads, you got to realize that you are a life giver and you are a life builder. You are a life giver. You are a life builder. So I want us to think about a couple of things this morning. First, I'll ask you to repeat this after me. Say, to build a life, a father must understand his ability to give life. If you and I, as dads, are going to be those who build a life, we have to understand our ability to give life. And so what happens here, I want you to notice, is that the Apostle Paul, he could have. He started off in verse 1, I mean, in, in, in verse, um, not, not, not in verse 1, but when he, and yes, it is in verse 1, when he says, children, obey your parents. Obey your parents in the Lord. He uses a word there that is talking about parents. It is not a mother or father. It is parents, right? That's the Greek word that he uses there for parents. And he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and and, and you may live long on the earth. And then he switches gears and he uses a different Greek word here. He didn't say parents. He said fathers. Pated. 
in the Greek. Fathers. This is the biological or the adoptive father. The biological or legal male parent is who he's talking to. He switches gears because here's the thing. While parenting is a team sport, come on now. While we need each other in order to be able to, I mean, listen, it's it factual. You, look, you, you, you can argue with me. You can get upset. The, the, the facts are single-parent homes have a lot more stress in the area of parenting than, you know, dual-parent homes. Come on now. Because you got all the weight on one parent trying to do the, the job of another parent. And here's something that some people don't want to hear. Listen, I, can, I, I think I'm a great dad. I, I'm, I'm just going to let you. I, I just do. I think I'm a great dad. You didn't see my son's shirt. It said dad, right? Dedicated, awesome dude. I'm, you know, I'm a great dad. I, you know, just, I made him wear that shirt. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> just in case you didn't know, right? <laughs> But I think I'm a great dad, right? I mean, I, I, I didn't have, you know, listen, every family, not just mine, because, you know, sometimes people get all sensitive, right? Every family, you, you have sinners in your family. You know what that means? Your family has some dysfunction in it. Come on now. I, I, you guys know I didn't meet my biological father until I was like 13, right? I, I, I thought that the guy that was my stepdad from when I was like a baby, I thought he was my dad until I, that rug was pulled out of from under me. So, you know, and then I had a grandfather who I loved to death, and, and I think he was a good example. He wasn't perfect. Come on now. But I didn't know how to be a dad, and so I was like, well, you know, I got to figure this thing out. I want to be the best dad I can be. So I try, right? I, I, try, I want to be a good dad. I want, to, I want to be a father who loves, who cares, who directs his children. And I realized something from a scriptural standpoint. Guess what? We, as dads, are called to do what? We are called to carry the mantle of leadership. And you know what happens to us dads? Here's the thing. As men, we understand some stuff about us, right? Like there's some, there's some things in our life that we're called to do. Like we're supposed to be worker providers, right? Like we're supposed to be guys that work. We're supposed to be guys that provide for our families, right? Say amen, hallelujah. That's biblical, right? Like so, so we know that. We, we, we work hard and, and we make the money. And then we're supposed to be protectors, right? Like of our home. Like we're, we're supposed to protect our families, right? We're supposed to protect. We're supposed to make sure that, that, that our families are secure, that they're safe. But here's the thing that I think sometimes we bail on, and this is not to get down on you dads, but sometimes we bail on this thing called leadership. You know why? Leadership's tough. Because you know what happens? The buck stops with you. You're the leader of your house. You can't blame your wife. Your kids are acting crazy. You ever notice you have a conversation, and when your kids are acting right, you know, my son, my daughter, they're acting wrong, your kid. Your son. You, you know your son. You know your daughter, right? <laughs> Suddenly we disown them, glory to God. But when you are a leader, you realize, look, the buck stops with me. And so I'm called to be a leader within the family. I'm called to lead. And so here's what I want you to see. By the negative command, what does he tell them? He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't make your children angry unnecessarily. I have to confess, y'all know that I have this eight-month baby in my house, and my uncle is probably watching, so you're going to know this right now. And I have this thing, I don't know, and, and, I, and, and I seem to feel like, I don't know if all parents do this, but I don't like to hear the baby cry at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> however, however, there are moments that I may squeeze her a little tight to get a little, you know, eh, I'm like, okay, baby, 
Maybe it's just me. I may hold her and be like, no, no, you can't move. And she's like, I want to move. No, 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 just let me hold you. I did this to all my children. Two of them are okay, so I think this other one's going to be all right. <laughs> however, however, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't make them angry. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. If you're taking notes, it says not to provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So what, what we see here is that, and again, this word is the father, do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children so that they what? So they become discouraged. Not encouraged, not empowered, but they become discouraged. Don't do that to them. See, and for us as dads, that's easy to happen, right? Why? Because we want them to be the best at everything. Come on now. We want them to, whatever it is that our kids are doing, I mean, I, I, I know you guys, so I know, you know, you, you want your kids to do that stuff right. You want, them to, you, you want them to do things well. But you know what? Sometimes we can be a little bit overbearing. Sometimes we can be a little heavy-handed. Sometimes we can be a little overwhelming. We can be the opposite as well, where we never, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But here's the thing. He's, he's pointing to us by this negative situation that the same way that dads can give life, they can take life. The same way that a dad can discourage, what does encouragement do, right? You, you, you ever felt down, right? You ever felt like really upset? You felt really like, oh, life sucks, whatever. And, and, and somebody came and they just, they encourage you. What do they do? They like breathe life into you, right? That's what they did. They, 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 they empowered you. They gave you life to continue on. They gave you life so you could continue moving in the direction that you needed to move to, move, move into, even though things were difficult. That's what encouragement does. Discouragement, on the other hand, oh, man, it sucks the life out of you. You have a conversation, you know, and someone, and, and someone tells you all of the negatives that you have done. That really makes you want to continue, doesn't it? Right? Tell you every negative thing that you've done. They, they, you, you, you made breakfast. Hallelujah. And, and, and instead of them saying, man, thank you so much. This was so good. They're like, man, I really wanted pancakes. So you gave me oatmeal. <laughs> or vice versa. Oh, man, what, what kind of creamer did you use in this coffee? I, I, I really like, right? Make you want to do what? Make you want to throw that right at them and be like, next time, get your own breakfast. Guess what? You won't be disappointed. And I won't either. <laughs> but what does that do? But you, you make breakfast for someone, right? Listen, I'm giving you all some good tips right now. You got to learn this stuff. You make someone breakfast and, 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 they, and, and you, man, thank you so, you, you made this, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Guess what? They want to make you breakfast again. Hallelujah. They're encouraged. So dads, we have to realize that we can provoke our kids to anger. We can provoke them to the point that they are discouraged or we can encourage them. We can be that voice that brings them. What does he say? He says to do what? He didn't just, he didn't just say the negative. He said, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But what does he say? But bring them up. Say, bring them up. 
That word to, to bring them up, it literally means to nourish up to maturity, to nurture, to bring up, to rear up, to rear up their children, to nurture their children. So we are supposed to, dads, come on now. We are supposed to be nurturers as well in our relationship with our children. They are supposed to know the love of their father. They are supposed to know the acceptance of their father. They're supposed to know what it is to be protected by their father. They, they're, they're supposed to know what it is to be forgiven by their father. You see, why, why does this matter? Well, because when we look at the statistics... The statistics bear out that when we have absent fathers, we have a higher likelihood of a lot of things like incarceration, alcoholism, addiction. When we have absentee dads, we have a higher likelihood to be in abusive situations that we wouldn't have been. We have a, li a higher likelihood of poverty because of an absentee father. But when we have fathers that are there, it's a different thing. See, here's, here, here's, here's why this is so, so very important to me. Because there are too many of us walking this planet with father wounds because of a dad who either didn't know about his ability to empower us, to give us life, or he just neglected it. And can I tell you something as, as we talk about this? You may be in here today and you may have some father wounds that are deep inside of you. You may not even realize how deep those wounds are. I want you to know God wants to heal you of those wounds. I want you to know that God wants to let you know that he is your father. He is the father to the fatherless. And even if you had an absentee father who was strung out on this or doing that over there, or you didn't know him because he was gone, God says, I am the father to the fatherless. Don't let that bad example be something. Don't let that absence be something that keeps you from my presence. But run to me and let me love you. Run to me and let me heal you. Run to me and let me father you. Let me heal the wound that is there. On this Father's Day, I want you to hear that because all of us, whether we realize it or not, sometimes we have these little, and, and, and some, some of our wounds are gaping. Others of them, they're just, they're tiny, but they bother so much. You ever had like a little cut that's just killing you? It's not anything big, but every time you touch it, it's like, oh my goodness. You walk differently, you do everything differently because of this little cut. A lot of people don't realize that they have this little thing inside of them, this little something that is there, and God says, I want to heal that. He wants to restore that. So here's the thing, dads. We need to recognize the weight of our role, that God has given us the ability to give life, and he wants us to build life. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, building a life, building a life. requires training. Building a life requires training. Now, listen, I want to be the fun guy, right? Like, hey, let's go to the pool. Let's do flips. Let's, you know, cannonball. Hallelujah, right? I want to be that guy, right? I, I, want, to, I, want, I, want, I want to be the fun dad. But here's the thing. If I'm going to be a dad that's going to build a life, you know what I got to do? I've got to train my kids. I, I have to develop them. He says what? He says to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So I just, want to, I just want to break those apart for a moment. They go hand in hand, but I just want to try to make a distinction between these two actions. The training that is supposed to happen. Here's what I want you to know. The first thing is this, is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. But Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that nobody likes discipline. 
Nobody does. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It's talking about the father's discipline, telling us not to despise the father's discipline. Because what? Because he disciplines those he loves. So dads, if we love our kids, you know what we're going to do? We're going to discipline them. We're going to tra- train them. We're going to develop them. No one likes discipline. No one likes chastening. And again, as a dad, I don't want to discipline, much less do I want to discipline the ones that I love. Come on now. But, but, but I realized something. It, I realized that without training in the Lord, they will have rotten fruit in their lives. So you know what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says? Nobody likes it now, but later on it bears the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And see, when we as dads commit ourselves to training our kids in godliness, training our kids in righteousness, when we commit to developing them in, in the right ways, then guess what? There is a fruit of righteousness that comes later on. Not rotten fruit in their lives. So what does it mean to train them? What does it mean to train? The word, the word for training there is the word padea in the Greek. And what it means, it means the whole training and education of the children. Which, now listen, please, it relates to the, the cultivation of mind and morals. Hear me now. So dads, we, you and I, are responsible for cultivating, for developing the mind and the morals of our children. By the way we live, by the things we do, one of the worst advices you give is do as I say, not as I, right? But sometimes as dad, that, that's not what we want to do. We have the potty mouth, but don't talk like me. We participate in certain things, but don't do those things. Wait a second. I, I, I lived, I grew, I grew up in an environment where, you know what, hey, I knew, the, you know, some things were wrong. And you know what came, there came a day, everybody else is enjoying this, why not me? This seems fun, this seems the way to go. And so, you know what happens, we, 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 we've got to be the ones to say, wait a second, I'm training my kids. So, you know what, dads, that means you got to train yourself, come on now. Any, anybody seen that show, The Dog Whisperer, Cesar Milan, raise your hand, you've seen it? It's a good, it's a good show, there three people, okay, great. Well, anyway, so... <laughs> What I, what, what, what I love is what he says, right? It's, it's funny. He's like, I rehabilitate dogs. I train people. <laughs> Y'all are like, I'm never watching that. But listen, <laughs> I rehabilitate dogs. I train people. The problem is not the dog. It's the owner. Oh, pit bulls are this. No, they're not. Their owners are terrible. You ever met, you, you ever met a nice, playful, wonderful pit bull? Hmm. <laughs> I, remember, I remember one day we went, I went with, my, with one of my younger brothers to go and get some pit bulls. I remember this pit bull, the, the father, he jumped up on like the gate. His head was like this big. I was, I was probably never so scared in my life when that dog jumped. Because it was one of those like kid gates. And you know, you know how when you like you put a gate in, on a doorway and it's like just, it's moving like that? And I'm like... That, that, that gate is doing nothing. <laughs> that dog was the kindest and sweetest dog you would ever meet. Why? Because the owners were amazing. I'm not comparing our kids to dogs. Come on now. <laughs> However, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
But we do have to train, right? We do have to develop. We do have to establish rules. We do have to establish certain boundaries. If we're going to develop the mind and we're going to develop the morals of our children, we have to have a plan in place. So we have to have some biblical goals. Training requires goals and intentionality. Hear me now. It's not just goals. I say, hey, I want my kids to be ABC. No, no, no. What are you, what, that, that's your goal. What's your plan? What are the intentional steps you're going to take to make sure that your kids are ABC and D? So, so what, are, what, are, what are some biblical goals for training our children? So I have a long list for you guys. You ready? You ready? Taking notes? Hallelujah. You got a little pen ready to go? I, really, I, thought, I thought deeply about this list. So I hope you're going to take some notes. I hope every, every dad is taking notes right now. Here's the goals for us as dads. The biblical goals for training our children should be to love God and love our neighbor. That's the list. To love God and love our neighbor. See, I have to teach my kids to love God, not by words, but by example. Because you know what? When I'm gone, you know what the foundation of their life is going to be? A firm foundation and understanding the greatness of God's love towards them. It is them understanding the power of the gospel. It is them understanding that we are all wretched, that every one of us deserves hell, that every one of us is a rebel against God, that every one of us is, is, is responsible for Jesus going to the cross. Not one person on the planet is not responsible for the cross of Christ. However, we know the love of God because of what? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For what? So that we, we could believe in him and we can have eternal life. Why? Because God loves us, he doesn't want us to experience hell. More than that, hear me now, he doesn't want us to experience separation from him while living in this earth. Hear me. What does the gospel do? See, some people think the gospel is just some, some liberty from hell. No, that's not it. That's not the end. That, that, what God does is in the gospel, he does this thing, it's called reconciliation. And what he does is he brings a broken relationship back together because he has a good plan for your life. He has a good plan for your family. And the only way that he can enact that plan is by you surrendering your life to him. Come on now. So for us as dads, right, like if we want to see God's plan and we want to see God's purpose, we have to be reconciled to God. And see, I teach my kids to love God because I love God. Oh, they got to see me loving God in the programs that I watch. They got to see me loving God in the music I listen to. They got to see me loving God in the, in the habits that I partake in. They got to see me loving God, you know, like church is a priority to us as a family. Why? Because I want to come here and hear some guy talk. No, 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 uh-uh. Because it's a moment that we gather together. We love God because of what he did. We're reminded of what he did. We're able to, to, to refocus in these moments when we gather together. We love the Lord. We have to train them in loving God. We have to call them out when they are acting in a way that is unloving to God. In a way that offends the Lord. It doesn't mean you got to be harsh and rude. But you need to point out to them, that behavior is not honoring to the Lord. That language is not honoring to the Lord. Those desires are not honoring to the Lord. Not because we want some legalist Pharisee children. Come on now. It's because we want children who really understand what it means to love God. You do know that loving God, by definition, there has to be some kind of standard to it, right? You know, because we have this thing in our minds. I don't know. We think, oh, well, I love God. Really, how do you, how do you love God? 
How would I know you love God? If I look at your life, am I going to see, yeah, that guy loves God. That woman, she loves God. There's a standard. And you know who set the standard? God set the standard. You know, it's kind of like when you get into a relationship, right? You get into a relationship with a, with a, another person. When you get into this relationship, you may have your idea of what love should look like. Can I tell you something? They have an idea too. <laughs> and if you're married long enough, you figured out your ideas don't necessarily meet. <laughs> you thought they did because you thought you were Don Juan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you thought you had all that lingo. You had all that, you know, you had all that, and you know, us Hispanic, that labia, you know. Yeah, you, you had all those words, right? And then suddenly, so, something happened. Suddenly, all those words, they, they didn't mean so much. Hold on a second. Wait a second. I need to be loved a certain way. And guess what? You too. You have that too <laughs> also. We all have this different love language. We, we, we experience love different ways. Here's the thing. God sets the standard of what it means to love him. What does it mean to love him? He who keeps my command, he who has my commands and obeys them is he who loves me. Did you hear those words? Those are Jesus' words. He who has my commands and obeys them is he who loves me. So my question is, are you obeying his commands? Because you got them. They're here. They're in the book. The question is, are you obeying them? I didn't say that obeying them saves you. That's not what I said. What I said is, my obedience shows what? I love you. My obedience shows I appreciate what you did on the cross. And so we teach our children what it is to love God. To love God is so important because when life gets hard, it's the love for God that's going to be the foundation to keep you. If you don't have a foundation of love for God in your heart, if you don't have a foundation of the gospel in your heart, when life gets difficult, you are going to turn left, right, up, down, do backflips, sideflips, whatever you got to do to try to find the answers that are in God and God alone. And you know what I want my kids? I want my kids that when I'm long gone, that my children know, man, you know, the foundation, the, the anchor of our life is Jesus Christ. It is his love toward us. That moves us to loving him. And so we have to teach our kids. We have to train them to love God. We have to train them to love their neighbors. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you have, have amazing neighbors. That's easy. Some of you not so much. But you know what you got to do? You got to train them to love them. Pray, pray for your neighbors, especially the difficult ones, together. Hallelujah. <laughs> you pray for them. I don't want to pray. I'm just kidding. <laughs> pray for those neighbors. Be, 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 be intentional to help them to learn. You know, you know what happens when you love your neighbor? Here's what you have when you love your neighbor. You serve your neighbor. You teach your kids to serve. You teach them what it is to sacrifice because what? We want to teach them to love your neighbor. Dads, I want you to know something. If you don't know this already, someone is training your kids. The question is, is it you or is it somebody else? You can blame whoever you want, but the fact is the buck stops here. So us as dads, we have, to, we have to know somebody is training our children. Are we too busy filling our cups that we're not invested in training them? Are we too busy doing other things, reaching our own goals that we are too busy to train them? Training takes time. You know that, right? It takes effort. Are you too busy checking off that bucket list of things that you want to do that you're with them? Dads, I want you to remember this. Days, the days are long. The years are short. 
It seems like it was just yesterday that my, 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 my little girl was a little girl. Asking daddy, daddy, pray for me. I remember she had, she had croup and she sounded like a seal at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> she was like, daddy, pray for me. And I was like, hey, man, let me pray for you. <laughs> and, sh- and shortly we're going to celebrate 21 years. I- I've had to repent. I've had to repent. And, I- and I'll confess this now just because it's so important. So now we have a pool so I can go to the pool. And over the last two years since we had this pool, she's only gone to the pool with me like maybe, maybe a less than five times, right? And-, and she's getting back at me because when she was, when she was young, she used to always want to go to the pool. And because we didn't have a pool, I was like, baby, if it's Friday and it doesn't rain, we'll go to the pool. And you know what happens in Florida? And I have to confess, sometimes I was like, Lord, let it rain because I don't feel like going to that pool. It's heartbreaking. I'm a terrible dad. Terrible. I thought I was a good dad. I suck. All right. We've established that. But you know what? I can't get those days back. But I can throw her in the pool now, glory to God. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to throw her in the pool every time we come by. Baby, let's go to the pool. Come on, let's do it. But ultimately, the days, the days are long, man. It seems like, oh, my goodness. But the years, so take advantage of those moments that you can. Number three, say this with me. Building a life requires correction. Building a life requires correction. Admonition. It's not, it's not just training But it's also this admonition. It's also this correction that has to happen. I already said that I don't like to discipline, but it's something that we have to do. And we live in a culture where correction is frowned upon, right? Like like, like we don't want to correct people. And this may be the result of what some view as overcorrection, right? So like, you know, back in the days there were these things called switches, hangers, Belts, belt buckles, chancletas, that sandals, for those of you that don't know, if you're not from a Hispanic household, you may not know the power of a chancleta, but they, they're serious. And you know, those syllable style beatings, right? You know those. So if you've never done one of those, they're pretty liberating. Praise the Lord. But because of overcorrection, we, we get away from correcting the way that we need to correct. But here's the thing. Biblical correction is necessary if, if godliness is going to be, be achieved in the lives of our children. I want you to think about this for a moment. What is the number one goal you have for your kids? Whatever age they are. What is the number one goal you have? And if it is not godliness, meaning that they know God and they live for him, that's, that's going to be my working definition of godliness. Not, not religious fanatics. Nope, nope, nope. Godliness, that they know God and they live for him. That should be the number one goal that we have for our children. And for those of you that don't like correction, I want to give you a word. I got a word for you today. It's Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1. Write it down. You can look it up later. It says this, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. He who hates correction is stupid. The bishop had a word for you today. 
<laughs> are you stupid? Now listen. Listen, sometimes we don't want correction. Amen? I, I, ra- I rarely want correction. I, I, I usually don't seek correction, right? I'm not like saying, hey, what did you think about that? No, I'm like, okay, great. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but, but he says here, the, the, the writer of the book of Proverbs, who, by the way, was the wisest man to ever live on the earth, he says, if you don't like correction, you're stupid. And obviously in the context, he's talking about those who don't like to receive correction are stupid. But I would say this, to, uh, to apply it would be, if you don't see the value of correction, man, you're a fool. If you don't see the need for correction, you are a fool. What does it mean to admonish or instruct? Admonish, it means this. Look, it means to exhort. It means to admonish. It means to provide instruction as to correct behavior or belief. To have, listen to this, to have a corrective influence on someone. Let me read that again. It is to provide instruction as to correct behavior or belief. Now, what I want you to hear is that correction isn't always negative. Sometimes your kids believe things about themselves that are not true. Like they're not smart enough. Correct those thoughts. Like they're not worthy. Correct those thoughts. Like they're not good enough. Correct those thoughts. Don't allow your kids to walk around with their heads down and their shoulders slumped. Man, teach them that they are valuable because of what? Because of the designer. I love this. I love this story. I heard it yesterday. It was actually Lecrae. He was sharing it. Somebody shared it with me. And here, here was the story. He went into a department store, and he went to buy, he went to buy a T-shirt. And when he went to buy the T-shirt, he looked at the price on the shirt, and he was like, oh, somebody must have made a mistake here. So he was like, well, let me go and check out another shirt. So he went and looked at the other shirt. When he looked at the other shirt, it was the same price, $640 for a T-shirt. So he said, hold on a second. I got, I got, to, go and get, I got to get some clarification on this. So he definitely thought somebody made a mistake. He, he said it's like a beefy T. He's like, come on, man, this is just a T-shirt. He brings it over to the cash register. He's like, hey, um, can I get a price check on this thing here? Like, why, why is this shirt $640? He's like, because the name of the designer is on it. Now, I know, I, I know I, I'm not going to pay $640 for nobody's name. Nobody's name. The point is, what added value to that shirt? It wasn't the material. It wasn't where it was made. It was whose name is on it. And what we as dads have to understand is that our children have been created in the image and likeness of God. And they have a certain value that comes not from us, but comes from him. And you and I, dads, are simply supposed to be the conduits that let our children know you have eternal value and worth. And you are everything that God says you are. See, that's the positive side of correction. The other, the, the, the negative side of correction, we all know about that. When your child is acting the wrong way, grab that ear. Come over here. Child abuse. No, it's not. That's why they stick out, you know. It's... Hey, 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 let me get you before you go crazy now. I'm just kidding. Maybe, I don't know. You know, God designed this with purpose, right? Like, that's a perfect... I'm just... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I don't I don't really grab ears, but now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, that's a good hey man, we just learned something together. Praise the Lord. 
I'm going to get called for child abuse or something like that. Here's what I want to say, dads. <laughs> Got to let your hair grow out. I can't do that. But, you know, <laughs> cover them ears, right? <laughs> let me say this. A lack of admonishment in a child's life will open them up to pain in the future that can prove to be fatal. If you don't get into your child's life on the positive things I just told you about and correct them for those thoughts that don't belong inside of them, if you don't do that, your child, your son, your daughter will settle for things that will prove to be fatal in their future. Dads, we got to do it. Don't leave it to someone else to have the tough conversations. You have the conversations. I was working out with my nephew, and as we're working out, and we're, we're, we're in the gym, and as we're in the gym, there's a guy who's on a platform in front of me. And so he's doing this, this move, and you guys that lift weights, it's, it's, it's a clean and jerk. And there, there, there's, there's, there's a, these are, this is an Olympic lift. Anytime you hear the word Olympic lift, this isn't like grabbing a dumbbell and saying, hey, I'm going to do some chest presses. No, no, no. Olympic lifts are very technical lifts. I only know this, and you guys know this, because I did CrossFit for a while. And I have one of the best experiences with CrossFit because we have amazing coaches. And so shout out to Tough as Nails. They have great coaching over there. They have people that watch you. And so all the negative horror stories that I hear about CrossFit, I didn't experience those types of things. And what my coaches did was they paid attention to you, especially when it came to these Olympic lifts. And there was something that they told you to be real careful of when, whenever you were doing a clean and jerk, and they call it a starfish. And basically, it's when you open your legs and you arch your back and you have whatever the weight is right here. You see how stupid this looks? Okay. So I'm sitting here with my nephew, minding my own business, you know, because when I go to the gym, I look like some kind of thug. I have like a hoodie on. I, I've got sweats. So I look crazy. Every, anybody who sees me knows it's true. But I smile at people because I want them to know I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm just trying to sweat a little bit up in here, all right? That, that's all this is about. And so I, I saw this young man, and he's, I mean, I don't know how old he was, but I see him. And I, and I, and I couldn't shut up. And I just went over to him because he looked like he's going to break his back. And I said, hey, man, can I just give you a suggestion? And he was like, he looked at me like, who are you? I'm like, look, I don't look like much, but anyway. <laughs> and so I said, hey, man, you know, and, and, and I, I began to walk him through verbally what it was. He really wasn't paying attention too much. You know, he was kind of listening like, ah. And I said, let me show you. So, you know, I took a little bit of the weight off. Just a little bit, just a little bit, because I'm like, I haven't done this in a while, so I know I can do this no matter what, but you know. <laughs> so I grab the weight, I show the young man how to do the lift, I said, and I saw, I, grab, I hold the weight here, and I'm like, so you see how I'm standing right now? I'm like, I got the right posture, my back is not bent. I said, because if you keep doing it like this, you're going to throw your back out, and you're going to be messed up. And he was like, oh, okay. He did his next lift, and he was like, man, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. My nephew was impressed, by the way, because of how much weight was on there. But I won't tell you. I'll let him tell you that story. Um, but here's my point in sharing that story with you. Not to just brag that I'm strong, but, but, the, but the real point of the story. I'm so prideful. I need Jesus, man. I repent. I humble myself right now. The point is that if this young man keeps lifting like that, by the time he's my age... He's going to have major back problems. He's going to have shoulder problems. He's going to have all kinds of issues 
And he's going to be having to have some kind of reconstructive surgery or be in some kind of therapy because what? Because no one corrected him. Because no one is there in his life to, co- to coach him and show him that's not how you do that lift. Dads, we're supposed to teach our kids how to lift. We're supposed to teach our kids how to deal with stress. We're supposed to teach our kids how to deal with marriage. We're supposed to teach our kids how to deal with financial stress. We're supposed to teach our kids how to deal with different situations in this life. We're supposed to coach them. And when they are going in the wrong direction, grab that ear. That's not the right way. For some of them might be here, but I'm just saying, right? Like whatever, wherever they're at. In love, this is all in love, right? Because the fact is we're supposed to love our kids enough not to let them do things that are going to damage them in the future. The bottom line is this. Consistent biblical correction creates guardrails in the life of the child that will guide them in righteous endeavors and dissuade them from ungodly pursuits. When you correct your children consistently... You, continue, you consistently point them to the word of God. You consistently point them to the one who died for them. And you consistently point them to how we're supposed to live and why should we live for the glory of God. Because he has done so much for us. It's not just to be some legalist. It's not just to be some religious nut. It's supposed to be someone who is grateful to a God who laid his life down. And so my closing question is this. Dad's. Are you being the life giver and life builder God designed you to be? Are you being the life giver and life builder that God designed you to be? And dads, let me talk to you heart to heart. There are so many times that we can feel like, man, God made a mistake. I'm I'm not a life giver. I'm definitely not a life builder. But God wants you to hear these words from his throne. I designed you to be a life giver and a life builder. No matter where you failed, no matter where you've fallen short, that is the beauty of the cross. That is the beauty of the gospel. God never leaves us in our failures. And that goes for everybody in the room. Because you may feel like you're some kind of designer flaw, right? <laughs> like, like, like you got pushed off to some, you know, aftermarket somewhere and you don't even know why. You, wait a second. No, no, no. You're not a designer's flaw. You're a designer's original God designed you with purpose and intention. And so I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you all stand, please? And because I love dad so much, I'm going to ask every dad in this room, if you would, to just come forward for me. I want you to just make a line across the front of this altar area. So just, just, just a line. Just, just go, go for me. Praise the Lord. I know this is a little uncomfortable, but I'm not going to embarrass anyone. You're already embarrassed. Praise the Lord. Just know that I love you. Come on, line up shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're, a, if you're a wife, I want you to come forward and get behind your husband. And, and, and there's a reason why I want you to do that. And, and if you happen to see a guy who is in this place and he, is, he, is, he doesn't have somebody with him, I'll just ask a brother or a sister just to come and just put a hand on that shoulder of that man that is here. The reason why I want you to do this is because of this, is because, because 
I want you guys to know how important you are. And every person that is standing behind you in this moment, what we're saying is we have your back. And we want to see you flourish. And we want to see you fulfill what God has purposed. We want to see God's plan in your life. And so we stand with you in this moment so you can be the life giver and you can be the life builder that God wants you to be. So as I pray, I want you to pray for the person that is, that, that, that is in front of you in this moment. And let's ask God to help us as dads to be the men that God wants us to be. Father, we thank you so very, very much for these men that are here in this place that you have called dads, that you have made them your representatives in families, Lord God. You've made them representatives as leaders. Lord, I thank you for every man that is here. And Lord God, I pray for these men, Lord God, that you would strengthen their weary hands, Lord God. In these moments, dear Lord, where they feel ill-equipped, where they feel, Lord God, that they don't have the answers, Lord, may they know your strength. May they know your wisdom. May they know that they are there. For us as dads who have failed in decision-making, Lord God, like I confess, that was a fail as a dad with something as, as, as minuscule as a pool date with my daughter but God it's a big thing Lord God and so I pray that you would restore even in those moments where we have failed and fallen short God give us the strength to get up and be the dads that you have called us to be Father strengthen these men fill them with your spirit and with your power God and may they know your grace in leadership May they rise up and be examples in the midst of a world that desperately needs godly men to lead. I thank you for these guys. I bless them in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Give someone a hug as you make your way back.